to him that if I do these things willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verse 18. Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without shock, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Verse 20 says, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Now I, I pointed this Bible verse out, verse 20 before, in the place where we are doing Bible discussion, it said, unto the Jew I became a Jew. So unto unbeliever you talk to them like, they, like, let's say you are going to a place, and you are trying to witness to somebody, you saw how the man dressed, he's dressed like all those cowboys, say, oh, how are you, folk? And you also talk the gospel to them, you, you talk their lingo. Talk their lingo to them so that they will be able to listen. If you don't talk their lingo, most of them they will listen. That's why it means to the Jew, I became a Jew so that I can win somewhere. To the one that's not the Jew, I behave as if I'm not under the law of the Jews to be able to win some of them. So that's what Apostle Paul said there. And that is very important that when you talking to the to the professors, I think they know science, talk it at their level. God give you the wisdom to talk at the level of their scientific knowledge. That's why God uh, bring some scientists also to know the truth and be able to talk at the level of the scientists. So to confound those who claim that science is, is uh, contradicting the scripture. When you know that science is not contradicting, then you be able to explain to them and may save some of them. To those who are laymen, you talk at their level. To those who are farmers, that's why Jesus Christ came in. So in that generation, they were mostly farmers, cattle areas. So he was talking about to the gospel, about God talking the gospel to them. Using the layman's term, a seed sown, that's what the farmers know. They can relate to that. The seed will grow up, and when you grow up, some will be 30 fold, 50 fold. It was talking at their level. And if it's going to talk in this generation to scientists, it's going to use something different to describe it. So that's why I said, To the Jew, I became as a Jew, that I may gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I may gain that them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I may gain them that are without law. To the weak became my as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize so run that ye may obtain. Now he's talking about comparing the the gospel that we are carrying as running a race, like you are running 100 meters. Everybody's going to run, but somebody's going to win the prize. That's what's happening. But then run so that you can obtain the prize. You know, everybody's running, but one is going to win the prize. But so in fact, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. What about temperate? You self-control, self-discipline. If you want to run a race 100 meters, you better discipline yourself to know you rule of the of the meat of the race and also to brace yourself get yourself prepared for that race you're going to run one mile you better know the rule and then build up yourself for that one mile race. that's what he's saying everybody's temperate self-control in this in this race you want to be master of it now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we are incorruptible that is when they run in the olympics all these people that are going to the olympic and they're going to run all their sports all their events 
they have practiced and practiced and practiced the temperament and the template that self control themselves. Sometimes they have to eat this kind of food, they have to eat this size of food so that they are ready, smart, ready to run the race and nothing win them now. But just to win a corruptible crown, a gold medal. So, but we are running this, uh, all this to win an incorruptible crown, which is eternal life, eternal kingdom. We already have eternal life, but the eternal kingdom to get a reward when you get there. Verse 26 says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beaten in the air. I mean, you are not just beating the air as if you don't have any target. So he has to focus. There's something he's shooting for. That's why you know I'm fighting for a particular goal. I know what I'm shooting for. I want that immortality. I want that uh, translation in the rapture. So those are the goals that, they, that everybody should be setting for. But I keep my under my body and have, and bring it into subjection. That's the temperament. Temperate in all things. You keep yourself self-control to bring your body onto subjection. Subjection to the word of God. Subjection to the spirit of God. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So that he's saying you don't want to be a castaway after you have preached to other people. You better do it yourself too. So we have to keep ourselves in self-control, temperate in all things. So that what after we preach to others, we ourselves are accepted. You see, that's why Christ said that the one that is listening, the kingdom is the one that is teaching it but not doing it. But then that is because great is you are teaching it, you are still doing it. So that we are teaching what we do. And that's what we do is giving us the grace and the glory and the growth. You better be doing it also as we are teaching it out. But those who are teaching it but they are not doing it, then they regret because they will not be listening. You know. That was the end of chapter 9. Now we're going to go to chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. And this is a question continuing on. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant of that all our fathers were under the cloud. Now he's going to bring some exhortation concerning giving examples of what happened in the days of Moses to exhort us. That remember, in the days of Moses, all these Hebrews, Israelites, they left Egypt following Moses into the wilderness. There's something happened in the wilderness. And all of them that left Egypt following Moses, not all of them entered that, entered that promised land. And that's what he uh, used to exhort us here. So I would not have you to be ignorant that all our fathers, the fathers of the Hebrews, were under the cloud. They all were following Moses and there was a cloud that was leading them, God's cloud. And all passed through the sea. Yes, they all passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It's like baptism when they went under the sea there. And went through the sea of dragon. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. Because they all were, when they all ate this uh, Passover lamb that allowed them to live when the Egyptians were killed. That's a spiritual meat in itself. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. They know that they all drank from the rock that was following them, and the rock was Christ. Say, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were all overthrown, means that many of them were over from 20 years old and above that left Egypt. The pronouncement of punishment upon them for disobeying for the believing God was that they were all to die in the wilderness and not cross the 
over Jordan. They never crossed into the land to go and see the land that they went out of Egypt to go and see, to go and live in. But the Asherim, and probably the other 20, were the ones that went into the land. By that time, they were 40 years later. But Moses also and Aaron don't go into the land for their own offenses. Only Joshua and Caleb are the only two adults, adults about 20 years old, that left Egypt. That God promised them they will lead the next generation into that promised land. So what happened in the wilderness? What happened? That's what he was going to use to exhort us here. He said, many of them, God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lost it. So he's saying we should not lust after evil things as they also lost it. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. See, they say that's idolatry because they were watching self, their self. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. You see that in the in the book of Exodus. When they are when they were fornicating with the Moabites and so on and so forth. And there was plague among them because the young men went and were invited by the Moabites to come and participate in their orgies. And they were sneaking out to go and do it, and they were for God. Verse 9 Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So when they tempted God in the wilderness, they were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10 Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured. And were destroyed of the destroyer. They were murmuring also in the land. They were murmuring against Moses. There was a time they said, Moses, you have, you have killed the sour and the people of God. And they were murmuring. Murmuring means they were dissatisfied with what was going on. And instead of confronting Moses physically, they were all grumbling behind in their room, in their houses, in their tent. They were murmuring. And Moses was hearing those murmuring and it was bitter in the heart of people that are living. If people are all murmuring and they are angry and uh, they are leading a crowd that's not following willfully, they are not following wholeheartedly, the leader will not be in, 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 in good heart either. So that was what was going on in the wilderness. He said, Let us not murmur like they murmur and they were destroyed. God, Moses said, You are not murmuring against us. God is the one leading us in this direction. You are murmuring against God. That was why they were being destroyed in those days. Was level. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So it's for our admonition so that we learn from those mistakes of men of old. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he is standeth take heed lest he fall. That's a warning to every one of us. Let he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We are standing, all right. But take it, but the old farm, old farm, be, be grounded in the word of God. Don't 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 take it lightly. Don't sit on your laurels, like people say. Don't sit on your laurels. This thing is serious. Take it like a fight. But the devil is looking for someone to slide off the road. So let him that thinketh is standing, take heed lest he fall. Verse 13 said, There is no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that, ye are able, 
but we, with the temptation also make a way to escape that he may be able to bear it. So whatever temptation that any believer, anyone is going through, he said God is watching it and he will not allow the temptation that will overtake you, to overrule you, overrun you. He's going to give you a way of escape to escape it. Whatever the temptation is, look for a way of escape. And the Lord will open your eyes to see the way of escape so that you can bear it. It's not God that's tempting human beings, but when the temptation comes through circumstances or through men of the world or through Satan, look for a way of escape and stand your ground so that you don't fall into sin or into offense. But what is the thing that makes them to murmur in the wilderness? All the things that they could, there's no water, there's murmuring, there's no food, and so on. All of those things, God has already made a way to, for them, but they just have to wait a little longer and the water will be in that corner. But the, the way they, they are approached to things is what makes them to offend. Sometimes they start grumbling and murmuring and say, let's go back to Egypt. Now, if you, they're almost like if you are going to a place and you are about there, but you can't see it yet, you are angry, want to turn back. Then the one that's leading you is, of, or is, is, is sad. So God that is leading them is sad that these people are not following willingly. They are not following wholeheartedly. And that will make the leader to be sad. And if God is the leader, you, they are offending God. Moses is the one saying, Moses, I'm not the one doing this thing. God is saying this is where you should go. And they are murmuring against Moses and want to go back to Egypt. So that's why they were all destroying the land because they were actually murmuring against God. If they ask, if they have they approach this thing right and present their case, because they say, let your request be made known unto God. That's what God said, let your request be made known unto God. And when you are making your request known unto God, with all that, say that be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thanking Him for what you have got so far. You are alive to even get this far. Thank you, Jesus. Then make your request known to Him. But you are not getting what you want here. You are angry. You want to turn back. Then you make the Lord has leading you to be offended, to be sad. Also. So let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes on your tongue shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Verse 4, 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I will not that you should be having you have fellowship with devils. Now I was talking, I said in the earlier chapter, Apostle Paul was addressing this idea of eating something that was offered to idols. He first told them that oh, idol is nothing, there's nothing like idol. It is what oh, we believe one God. But don't take that as a liberty to go into their temple and stay. There's no idol. Let me just eat it with them. They will be emboldened some people. That is going to come from another angle of this idol, bit over to idol and say, these people are actually, uh, they are sacrificing this into devils, evil spirits. So I don't want to partake with the, with evil spirits. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils, that's verse 21. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So now he's saying, it's more spiritual than just the physical statue that you saw. That's the way that's nothing. It's nothing like that. It's just a, a, a statue. 
But then don't go and sit in the temple and eating with them because they are actually worshiping some demons in this place. Said verse 20 said, Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things are edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's will. Whatever is sold in the chamber is not going to give you some particularity of it. Whatever is sold in the market, say that it asking no question for conscience sake. Don't go to the market and say, oh, I want to buy this meat. Did you strangle this animal? Or did you cut his throat off? Or how did you kill it? Did you just shoot his head and didn't allow the blood to drain out? All of those things that the Jews used to say this was kosher, kosher meat or no kosher meat. They don't ask any question. They are selling it in the market. Just buy and eat and bless it and thank God. That's what he's saying in this verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that it, asking no question for conscience sake. Because when you begin to ask questions, it builds on your conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything created by God. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is said before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. Somebody invites you to a party. You don't have to go, but if you are disposed to go, I mean, I'm gonna go. Is a dear friend of of our family, and you have to go there. But then just eat. Don't ask questions. That well, I'm not sure this food that you are serving. How is it cooked? Where is it? And how is it the meat from the idol's temple? Or from so don't ask those questions for conscience sake. Is it? But if any man says to unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, then don't eat it. For his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the loss and the fullness of Because the man that's pointing out to us, he is pointing out to you that, oh, this is over to idols. He wants you to agree with them that they, they are doing the right thing by worshiping idols. So if you are a believer, oh, you are worshiping idols? No. He said, don't, don't eat it for his soul's sake. But since as a conscience, I say, not thy own conscience, but the, of the other. For why is my liberty judge of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? So you don't want people to be speaking of evil things of what you are giving thanks to God for blessing the way. He says, after, oh, I won't eat it then because that's idol worship. I won't eat it because they are worshiping devils. Verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So he's saying, do everything that you want to do to the glory of God. I remember a minister said, he saw a, a, a brother in Christ that was smoking cigarette. When he saw the minister coming, he quickly tried to drop that cigarette, but he knew that the minister had seen him. So he tried to justify himself and say, if you can show him from in the Bible where God said, don't smoke cigarette, then I will quit. And the minister tried to use this and say, well, <laughs> the Bible doesn't say particularly don't smoke cigarette. There's no cigarette in the in the old in those days. But now that doesn't say don't eat this, I don't eat this thing because it's not because the Bible says don't eat it because I know that it's not good for me. Muslim. And he said, well, you know what I'll tell you? Anytime you want to smoke that cigarette, next time you light that cigarette, just say to Jesus, and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to smoke this cigarette to your glory. 
Because the Bible said, do everything you want to do to the glory of God. So the next time you take the cigarette and you want to light it, just tell Jesus Christ in prayer and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to smoke this cigarette to your glory. And then you smoke it. If you are smoking to the glory of God, that's fine. And that man said he did that, he couldn't smoke a single one. The next time he saw this pastor on the street, I said, you know something? I quit. He said, why? So the next time I tried it, I tried what you told me. He said, try to smoke that. He said, he told the Lord, said, Lord Jesus, I'm smoking this cigarette to your glory. He said, something just rose up in his, in his belly. He threw the cigarette away. From that time forward, he couldn't smoke any single one anymore. Why? Because you are expected to do all things to the glory of God. So if you are smoking that cigarette to God's glory, and God is clapping us for you, then fine. But if you are if you are really talking to the Lord, God will make you see that you shouldn't be smoking that thing to your to his glory. Because it's not edifying to your body either. Now let's go to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. We read verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now Apostle Paul is going to talk on something, another topic. Verse 2. So now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I will have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. And every But every woman that prayed or prophesied with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. If it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Now it's talking about the hair of, uh, of, of the head of man and woman. And he, because they must have having question about that same talking said like in the culture of the Jews, they 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 have it this way, and that's what he was addressing. He said, if any man is praying. And present, you don't cover your head with anything because you are in the image of God. So he said, if any woman is praying or prophesying, she should cover her head. What does that mean, covering her head? Some people read that as well, it means that the woman should put another handkerchief or scarf upon the head or head, head covered. But it was good to explain, he was actually talking about the hair because the hair in those days, women have long hair. And those who are not covering their head, they actually fold it up here and have a ponytail and because they want to look smart like men. But that's they said that was what was really uh, addressing it. Because it was good to point to, to it in the next verse that the hair was given to women to cover them. The hair, long hair. That's why women have longer hair than men. So that's what it was addressing them. Because in the African culture where our hair was not as long as the Europeans, people thought that it was talking about putting a, a, a cover, a cloth to cover the head. But you see, the hair was able to cover the head and it covered their head up to their shoulders or to their body. That's what it, when they want to pray, those are only women, they will lose their hair to cover their body. That's what it was addressed to. He said that was the culture. And he said, we are in the image of God. Men in the image of you, you don't need to cover your head. The women that are in the image of men, when they are now talking to the father of fathers, they should cover their head. That's what he was referring to. He said, every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonored her head. Not covered with clothes, though. I'm going to find that one as, as we read on. For that is even as if he was shaving. That is, if you as if you cut the head, the hair of the woman off, so that he, she's like a man, that would be shame for a woman to have to, to be bald-headed 
like the men or cut the hair short like the men they look ugly if they cut the hair short like at least in that generation in that generation they, they look ugly if they cut their ears off because the hair is beauty for the women so if a woman be not covered let her also be shown let her cut her hair off then if she's not going to cover but if it be a shame for a woman to be covered to be shown or shaven let her be covered say for a man indeed not ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image of the and the glory of god but the woman is the glory of the man so let's for the man is not of the woman but the woman of the man neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels so the angels are around so you should have power over your head means you have somebody ruling over your head because of the angels somebody ruling means you have a you are you are under authority that's what it means because of power on your head under authority of your husband or authority of your father if you are younger people so you have to be under authority that's the power over your head but nevertheless neither is the man without the woman neither the woman without the man in the lord for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of all this, even the men are born through their mother also. So that's why the man is also by the woman. But all things of God. Now it's going to verse 30 says, Judge in yourself, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? To the Gentile world is not clear to them if they are not knowing the culture of the of the Jews. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, now you see he's talking about the hair on our head. If a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. You see, nature tells us that. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. So that's what he's referring to. The long hair was given to women to cover them, make them to be glorified, be beautiful. That is really what he was adding to that. When a man have long gets a shame, if they are wearing their hair long. So that's as if the man is wearing his hair long, like a woman, it's a shame to, to him because he's an image of God. But the woman is giving her hair to cover herself, to be a glory for man. The glory. So he said, the hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the choice of God. So, I was pointing one out in a place when somebody brought this question to me. I first couldn't understand it. I thought it was the scarf covered the hair. But when they brought it up among the Europeans, that what is this talking about? Then the Lord brought me to that Bible verse that I just read. For our hair is given out for a covering. The Lord opened my eyes. Ah, oh, that's what the Lord was talking about. The hair, the long hair was given to a woman for a covering. So that is what Apostle is talking about, is the hair covering them. He said, well, we don't have long hair to cover up, but whatever long hair you have that is long among women, leave it long like that. When you want to pray, you don't have to cover it again with around and catch it. But you don't cut it like men. That's what he's talking about. You don't cut it like men. You want to just shave it off completely. But that would be a shame for a woman to not have long hair. That's why it's okay for people that don't have long and they put attachment to make it long enough to cover. That's okay. Even it's just an artificial attachment, it's fine. I'm not opposed to that. But it's a shame for them to cut it and be looking like men. Because then they are not they are not doing behaving like men. The Bible says in another place in the book of Deuteronomy that it is a, a man should not wear a woman's garment, a woman should not wear a man's garment. So now if you dress like a man and cut your hair like men, 
and looking like men become a shame not so also that become an abomination so that is why it is the long hair is to cover them that's what is referred to as the long hair not the handkerchief or scarf and he said we don't have that kind of caution now it's going to go to something else in verse 18 i'll continue this in the next chapter god bless you